You can now find a weekly recap of last week's sessions at thelawschoolofamerica.com. The Law School of America. Negligent entrustment is a cause of action in tort law that arises where one party, the entruster, is held liable for negligence because they negligently provided another party, the entrustee, with a dangerous instrumentality, and the entrusted party caused injury to a third party with that instrumentality. The cause of action most frequently arises where one person allows another to drive their automobile. General Principles One of the earliest reported cases under this cause of action, the 1915 Mississippi case of Wynn v. Halliday, concerned the negligence of the father in entrusting a dangerous agency to a son known to be negligent, based on the allegation that the appellant knew his son to be given to joyriding. The key allegation that must be proven in such a case can be described as follows. A plaintiff who invokes that doctrine must present evidence which creates a factual issue whether the owner knew, or had reasonable cause to know, that he was entrusting his car to an unfit driver likely to cause injury to others. Furthermore, in order to impose liability upon the owner, the plaintiff must prove that the negligent entrustment of the motor vehicle to the tortfeasor was a proximate cause of the accident. Negligent entrustment is generally found where the entrustee had a reputation or record that showed his propensity to be dangerous through possession of such an instrumentality. Where the claim is against an employer, the employer will be held liable if the entrustee's record was known to the employer or would have been easily discoverable by that employer, had a diligent search been conducted. For example, suppose a bus company hires a driver who has a record of reckless driving, which the company could have learned of through a search of publicly available records. The company will be liable for the negligent entrustment of the bus to that driver, if the driver is in an accident. Similarly, if A lends his handgun to B, knowing that B has a propensity for violence, A may be held to have negligently entrusted the gun to B when B uses the gun to shoot someone during an argument. However, such cases are often harder to prove than negligent entrustment cases involving employment, because judges and juries are less likely to find that an entruster had a duty to check on the publicly available records of an entrustee who was merely a friend. Evidence in such cases is usually presented through testimony about the entruster's knowledge of the entrustee's reputation for violence, and of specific acts of violence committed by the entruster. Intersection with Criminal Law the Supreme Court of the United States has held that negligent entrustment of a vehicle to a person with a criminal reputation will support the state's seizure of that vehicle as a penalty, if it is used in the commission of a crime. Intersection with Evidence Law Under Rule 404 of the Federal Rules of Evidence, FRE, evidence of a person's character or a trait of his character is not admissible to prove he acted in conformity with his character on a particular occasion. However, as an exception, FRE Rule 405B allows a person's character to be admitted in evidence to prove conduct when the character or trait of character of a person is an essential element of a charge or defense such as in the case of negligent entrustment. Related Doctrines Negligence in Employment Compared Negligence in employment differs from negligent entrustment in two key respects. First, negligent employment requires that the injury was caused by the actual employment of the party. By comparison, a party can be held liable for negligently entrusting something to any person, whether that person is an employee or not. Second, an employee can be found liable for negligent hiring, retention, supervision or training even without provision of any dangerous instrumentality to the employee. However, where an employer hires an unqualified person to engage in the use of a dangerous instrumentality, as in the above example with the bus driver, the employer may be liable for both negligent entrustment and negligent hiring. 
Vicarious liability compared. Vicarious liability is a separate theory of liability from negligent entrustment. The doctrine of vicarious liability provides that an employer is liable for the torts of an employee under an agency theory, even if the employer did nothing wrong. Negligent entrustment, however, requires proof of actual negligence on part of the employer before the injury occurred, when the entrustee was entrusted with a dangerous instrumentality. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. An ultra-hazardous activity in the common law of torts is one that is so inherently dangerous that a person engaged in such an activity can be held strictly liable for injuries caused to another person, even if the person engaged in the activity took every reasonable precaution to prevent others from being injured. In the restatement of the law 2D, torts 2D, the term has been abandoned in favor of the phrase inherently dangerous activity. Categories of ultra-hazardous activity Several categories of activities are commonly recognized as being inherently hazardous, those who engage in them are subject to strict liability. These include Transportation, storage, and use of dynamite and other explosives. Transportation, storage, and use of radioactive materials. Transportation, storage, and use of certain hazardous chemicals. Keeping of wild animals, for example, animals that are not normally domesticated in that area. Note that in this context, domesticated does not merely refer to animals that are commonly bred and raised in captivity, such as alligators. Keeping domesticated animals that have a known propensity for dangerous behavior, for example, keeping a dog that has attacked people before. Someone who was injured by one of these inherently hazardous activities while trespassing on the property of the person engaged in the activity is barred from suing under a strict liability theory. Instead, they must prove that the property owner was negligent. Determining if an activity is ultra-hazardous. Factors determining an activity is ultra-hazardous. 1. The relative possibility of harm. 2. The level of seriousness of potential harm. 3. The level of activity. Most persons would not regularly engage in ultra-hazardous activities. 4. Whether decreasing the possibility of harm requires exceptional measures of caution. 5. Whether the risk of the activity outweighs its social value. 6. Inappropriateness of the activity in the area where it is engaged in. Quasi-tort is a legal term that is sometimes used to describe unusual tort actions, on the basis of a legal doctrine that some legal duty exists which cannot be classified strictly as negligence in a personal duty resulting in a tort nor as a contractual duty resulting in a breach of contract, but rather some other kind of duty recognizable by the law. It has been used, for example, to describe a tort for strict liability arising out of product liability, although this is typically simply called a tort. Although it is not to be found in most legal dictionaries, it has been used by some scholars such as Sri Lank and Lakshman Marasing. Lakshman proposes that the doctrine provides legal relief that falls outside tort or contract, but with some of the characteristics of tort or contract, as can be found in restitution, including unjust enrichment, equity, including unconscionable conduct beneficiaries under a trust of the benefit of a promise, people protected by the valid assignment of promise, fiduciary duty, and contracts of insurance. As a third type of civil wrong. In tort theory, Lakshman Marasing posits that quasi-delict, a doctrine in civil law jurisdictions, exists as well in common law. Marasing thus argues against Viscount Haldane's dictum in Sinclair v. Broom, that the only common law civil causes of action are, by definition, contract and tort. 
Brooklyn Law School's Law Review had an article with a similar argument, Contractor Duty to Third Parties Not in Privity, a quasi-tort solution to the vexing problem of victims of nonfeasance. Malta recognizes quasi-tort as a third type of liability. Belgium also has a quasi-tort. As a violation of a statutory or regulatory scheme, tort law has been modified by statute to expand protection and limit liability. Many tort law statutes have their origins in common law and are interpreted through common law. These include workers' compensation, insurance law, consumer protection laws, labor law, products liability law, energy law, compensation to relatives on death, anti-discrimination law, and other miscellaneous and difficult-to-categorize areas of law. This may include statutory law or administrative regulation that define, aid interpretation, construction, provide means to calculate quantum of damages, clarify personal responsibility, or replace torts with their origins in common law. As a miscellaneous type of wrongdoing, Lakshman suggests there may be scholars who have viewed certain recently created torts, such as negligent infliction of emotional distress, as quasi-torts. Raymond T. Nimmer used the term in Restatement, second, of torts section 552 on negligent misrepresentation, deals with a quasi-tort, quasi-contract form of liability. Lakshman Marising posits that it is a category where the wrong is both a contract and a tort, such as with legal malpractice, or medical malpractice. For example, New York law applies the same statute of limitations for medical, dental or podiatric malpractice to be commenced within two years and six months, whether under contract or tort theories. Some equity actions can be viewed as quasi-torts, such as quiet title and key tam actions. The Law School of America This has been a Creative Commons licensed podcast. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America. (laughs) 